to the Zion Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We haven't really focused on family, I don't think ever really, although it's come up in some of our shows. But tonight we have a very special guest, Lisa Scandrent, with a book called Belonging and Becoming, Creating a Thriving Family Culture. She writes this with her husband, Mark, and uh, she really is, uh, well, they're the experts when it comes to family, and that subject, we don't always get it right, but what's going to see if we can uh, make this a great, great discussion, and just so you know, they are the co-founders of Reimagine, which is a center for integral Christian practice. They live in in a mission district of San Francisco, having come from Minnesota, and they have three young children. Welcome to the family. Thanks, Michael. I should say family. I mean, you know, I meant the, the show. See, I'm so focused on the family here. So. Well, it's one big family of God, right? <laughs> yeah. So this is a subject that, you know, there could be harmony, but there could be disharmony in family, and uh, it's not so easy. But, you know, you are very meticulous in your book, Belonging and Becoming, as far as creating a thriving family culture. So, okay, so this is from years of practice. Is that right? Yes. Our kids are now young adults. They're all college students. And um, so we've been at this family thing a while. I would say so. And so and how are things when you, in your family life? I mean, did you, did you have a good family life? Or would you say that uh, you learned from, like a lot of parents, from just from mistakes growing up? Are you talking about um, the family that Mark and I created or the family I came from? (laughs) Well, you could talk about both, but let's start with uh, the family you grew up in. Um, I would say, of course, like any family, my family growing up had strengths and and weaknesses. And I think that uh, just really tried to build on the strengths that my parents gave me. And like any parents, we all do our best and... um, you know, we come with a certain set of limitations and strengths. So I think the best thing we can do to honor the families that we come from is to magnify the things that were good. Yeah. And it's not always easy because I don't know how many people say I came from the best family ever. They're usually, I think God works that way, doesn't he? As far as there's some scars there or lessons learned and things like that, family tensions. Yeah, that's uh, the more common scenario, actually. Yeah. So let's talk about this interesting story of yours. You're from Minnesota originally. Yes. And what part? Um, I grew up two hours west of Minneapolis. God had led you to San Francisco. Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit about that move, because this is really where it gets interesting with you and Mark and, and uh, you know, the belonging and becoming. Um, Mark and I had gotten married probably five years previous to our seven years previous to our move to San Francisco. And we were um, we were becoming aware that many people our age were not attending a, a local church. And we're leaving the church and we became interested in that and um, wanted to explore new, uh, maybe new forms of gathering as the church and um, thought that perhaps going to a city would be a good place to explore that with some of our contemporaries. And so through a long series of events, a long, long time ago, we moved to San Francisco yeah. And you must have felt let go. I mean, were you happy in Minnesota at all? Sure. We were close to family and, and friends, and that's where we'd grown up, um, but really felt 
that um, God's next thing for us was in San Francisco. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your center, because this is pretty interesting. You know, um, I know that you mentioned on your website to make people more human is really one of the goals, which is a very good goal. And uh, tell us a little bit about, about what goes on in your center. Um, Reimagine seeks to help people live out the teachings of Jesus in their everyday life. So we do that through a number of ways. We um, we have offered what we call learning labs, which are somewhat like workshops where we meet together for a certain number of weeks and we talk about a teaching of Jesus. And then we invite people to try a practice that coincides with that teaching. So we've, um, we've explored how to walk in obedience in our personal lives. We've uh, talked about time, money, and meaning. Um, we've explored many areas over the years. And um, the thinking is that we need to not just know what Jesus says about, about life, but we need to live out the way that he taught us to live. And we can do that together as a group. Yeah. And I know that uh, family wise, the big thing throughout your book is really communication. It's something that we do together. And, you know, it's not always that way where mom eats, then she has to go and dad and the kids and, you know, it's all kind of discombobulated here. Um, but you really, it seems like you want everyone on the same page. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, our vision for family is we believe that a thriving family is a place of belonging and becoming where each person is safe, cared for and loved and is supported to develop who they are for the good of the world. So, um, we believe a family has a purpose and, um, part of that purpose is for the nurturing and care of the people in the family. But God doesn't invite us to stop with our own families, but to offer those gifts to the rest of the world and to join him in his work. So what's the most difficult thing, would you say, in all your – I mean, you're, you deal with a lot of uh, you know families, if you will, and you do workshops. I know you're going to have one at Liberty University soon. And uh, what would you say the most challenging thing is to get through to people? Um, I think that there's a lot of challenges to living today as a family. Um, many people feel pressed for time. Many people um, m- maybe feel like they don't have the tools to have a thriving, healthy family life. Maybe they didn't grow up having those tools. Um, but I think what we'd like to communicate to people is that everybody can take their next step towards becoming a thriving family. Yes, and and also, what do you think that uh, the constant theme where people call you or email you, or is there any one particular thing that you know people get stumped on when it comes to family life? I think many people are just overwhelmed by the busyness today. Um, uh, there's so many opportunities, and the more people you have, the more directions you could go, and that's why we think it's really important to for a family to sit down and articulate what they want to be about as a family to establish a family purpose, because once we know what we want to be about, it's easier to figure out what activities and commitments we want to say yes to and which we need to say no to. Mm -hmm. There's some churches that are just based. They're called family church. I mean, some have that title actually, but uh, are we too family focused? Do we not focus enough on the family? Uh, what what kind of um, activities and things would you like to see more of in the church? Um, I 
I really think that, um, I think that the church does a good job of supporting families. I think that what we'd really like to encourage people to do is to take some of those practices home the other six days of the week to, to, um, to have the family also be a spiritual center because the church can resource us really well while we're there, but real life happens once we leave the building. And so the life on life um, encouragement that we can give each other and um, support in becoming who's who God has created us to be is really impactful when we can do that on a daily basis. Now, this sounds great as far as wanting to have a uh, good family, you know, Mm -hmm. a a great family, let's just say. And have you ever met people, though, that say, you know, they're not sure about having families and they don't know if they're called to have families? How do you feel about that? I mean, you know, when you were a Christian, I guess you really are pro-life, obviously, that, uh, you know, God wants us to to have families, to give life. And and what's your take on that? Well, I think there's a precedent, too, that um, Paul talked about some people deciding not to have families so that they can devote themselves to the work of the gospel. I'm not I'm not sure. Um, there's also a place in the scripture where it says that God sets the lonely in families. And some people aren't part of families, not necessarily out of choice, but just because that's how life has gone for them. And I think we have a remarkable opportunity to become family for um, for those who who don't have biological family or, uh, you know, the traditional family like we think of. So. Um, I guess I'd like us to expand our our view of family to include the people who who may be lonely or on the edges. We have a yeah. great opportunity to um, open ourselves to them. And when you encourage people to have families, I mean, to say, hey, this is what God wants. I mean, if you're not a missionary or something like that, but uh, – you know, it could be, I'm sure you've had examples. We weren't sure we had kids. We're so happy we did. Oh, I, I think that, uh, parenting is one of the most transformational experiences a person can have. Um, and also one of the greatest opportunities to, um, I was talking with someone many years ago and, um, they were saying that they were going to, uh, they weren't sure about having kids because they were afraid it was going to hinder their ministry. And I, I said, you know, I'm going to challenge you on that because you don't, you don't have any opportunity that's greater than raising children for discipling someone like you, you can't get deeper than that as far as discipleship goes. So, um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in family. Yeah, absolutely. And we just had someone on not too long ago and that adopting, you know, many Christians have the, um, the call or the gift even of adoption. And so, you know, family just happens, I guess, organically where <laughs> they want, uh, different kids and at uh, different times. And, uh, do you have any adopted kids? We do not. But, um, in the family I grew up in, my parents did foster care and I was the youngest of six children and my parents adopted three more after me. And so there's nine of us. Wow. And um, during the time I was growing up, over 100 um, kids came through my home and shared that with me. So so I definitely can attest to the importance of 
considering adoption or fostering. There's a lot of kids out there who need families and homes. So when people find out about you, and what are generally some of the questions that they first ask? They say, you know, have your center here, uh, reimagine, and uh, what? how does it all begin? How does what all begin? Well, just the kind of conversations that people have when they find out about you and Mark and your ministry. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons we wrote this book is people often said, well, this this sounds great that um, – that you want to live simply or that you've moved to San Francisco or this or that. But what about your kids? Um, how do you do this with kids? Because um, early on in our marriage, um, well, we connected Mark and I, because we, we really had a heart for ministry. Well, we wanted to reach out to um, use our gifts to serve and particularly to serve people on the margins of society. Um, and when we had kids, we went through a time of trying to figure out how do you, how do we continue to do that and also give our kids the things that they need. And so, um, at, that was at, that it was at that time that we developed our own family purpose statement, which was to know and love God, to nurture healthy family relationships, to offer hospitality and care, especially to those who struggle and suffer, to use our gifts to serve, and to live gratefully, sustainably, and creatively. And so, out of um, out of that family purpose statement we began to kind of piece together a life that we felt reflected that. And, um, and so when people, people often say, well, how, you know, how did you live in San Francisco? And you guys seem to have a connected family that likes to be together and cares about the world. Like, tell us about that. And so Mm -hmm. um, I would say most families have a, have, some sense of what they want to be about as a family, but articulating that family purpose statement has really helped us when we come to making choices about both big choices and little choices, choices about how to spend our time, where we want to live, the kinds of activities we want to pursue. We can look at that purpose statement and say, how does that fit into what we, what we feel called to be a part, uh, be about as a family? Yeah, once again, I mentioned a lot of communication has to be there for this type of uh, activity to work because, well, I mean, would you say that you drew your kids out a little bit? I mean, uh, forcing them to kind of think and be introspective and think of the other person and not just uh, themselves. Uh, Would you say they're good communicators? Yeah, I would say so. Um, Yeah. it's, mm -hmm. It's something we've practiced a lot as a family, and I'd really like to stress that, um, this whole family thing is about process rather than perfection. Um, and so when I say practice, I really do mean practice. You know, um, it takes practice and intentionality to learn to communicate or to make repairs to relationships. And we don't always do things um, correctly right away mm-hmm. or, or well, but we can... Um, we can keep on it, you know, we can keep, keep at the process and, um, and with love and grace and God's help, um, you know, we grow and change together. 
Mm-hmm. So I know that you're probably not a TV expert. Maybe you are, or movies. But uh, what would you say some of the best kind of movies or television shows are for uh, teaching about family? Would you say like the Brady Bunch for one? No, I think the things that have inspired me most have been um, just watching other families that I know and um, kind of taking notes on what they do well. Some of the places where I felt like I needed to learn, I, I would watch other people when the kids were young and go, oh, that was a really great way to handle that. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to try and remember to do that. Um uh, one of the things that we did with our kids when they were small that I really enjoyed was, um, that I think was really meaningful was to have one-on-one dates with them. And that was something that my older sister and her husband did. And, um, I just, we just took mental notes and thought that that was a great idea. So, um, yeah, and through reading books and the people around us and looking through the scriptures, we've been inspired to um, build some of these practices. I would say um, you've mentioned it takes a lot of communication and a lot of time. One Mm -hmm. of the, one of the core skills in the book is the family meeting and it's a once a week hour, maybe hour and a half for you and your spouse to get together and talk about the things that matter most to your family. So you can talk about the things in your purpose agreement. You can talk about your schedule for the week. You can talk about important parenting decisions that you need to make. It's just a good time to get on the same page about life. Yeah. It sounds like doing life together is a big part of your book. Uh, Praying together, uh, community practices together. And yeah, but now what if you have a child who is kind of a loner and want to be a part of that? <laughs> well, I think that, um, you know, there's certain places where we leave leeway for our kids to be their own people. But then there's certain things that as a family that we do. Um, and I think it's dependent upon the ages and stages of your child. But um, there were certain things we did as a family that weren't really negotiable. It <laughs> was what we were going to do at the time. And, um, you know, like I said, we're really wanting to, um, do two things first to create a family culture. That is a place where we're all being encouraged to become the people we were made to be. And sometimes that's support. And sometimes there's some challenges there too, and um, and also to, to help each person in the family to become. So we need some together time, and we can also think about ways to resource each person in the family to grow into the people that they were made to be. Yes, and just out of curiosity, this book didn't come out of a, an empty nest, did it? Because I know all the kids are gone. I'm thinking maybe reflecting back, and you know, I'm going to write this book. These are great memories, and. Uh, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. And how how are you dealing with it all? I mean, you still have kids at home or are they all gone? Our kids are um, in university, but they are living at home and attending locally. So, okay. <laughs> so they're kind I was gonna say, gone, living in the basement, right? at home. That makes <laughs> sense. Um, yeah. You, you wanted to get out though soon, right? Um, You know, we like each other. So <laughs> as, as, as long as it, uh, as long as they need to 
kind of uh, graduate and get that first job is fine with us. Yeah, now that's a whole other subject, you know, like the 30-year-old who's who's still living at home. And you see a lot of that today with the economy being the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we made some intentional choices with the kids about their university studies. We have three in college. So for them to attend locally and live at home means that we can f- help three kids go to college. So, yeah, makes sense. Um, it's been so, a good choice for our family. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about your gifts that you bring to the table and Mark's. Uh, how does it differ? Well, are you the disciplinarian? Is Mark? Are you the fun one? And how does all this work? <laughs> well, we are very different personalities. Um, I would say that um, personality-wise, I'm a bit quieter and more introverted, and Mark's a bit more extroverted and exciting. So, so give me an example. Like, let's just say something happens here with the kids or whether it's a discipline talk or, or how does Mark play his role and what kind of things would he say and what kind of things would you say? Oh, goodness. It's been a while. You know, our kids are grown. We're not doing a lot of disciplining. Um, <laughs> man, we've really talked a lot so that we could be on the same page about this stuff. Um, I would say the tone would probably be different. Like, Mark would probably sound more stern, but really I think the approach would be similar in that um, we tried to work through how we were going to handle certain things and come to good agreements before things happened. And generally that's the way we tried to make things roll. Yeah, it makes sense. So that there would be consistency. Um, like I said, different personalities. So it might look and feel different, but um Overall, like I said, I think we're pretty, pretty consistent. I might be a little bit more of the softy, <laughs> but <laughs> well, you know, I know there's certain things that have to happen for security mm-hmm. uh, to happen in the home, you know, for kids to feel a certain way and uh, certain things that they can expect over and over again. I mean, sometimes, you know, we don't know who's going to be home or that type of thing. I'm sure there are many families like that, but. Uh, having certain things that you can expect, uh, certain things done at a certain time or yeah. conversations and that kind of tempo, if you will, that builds a lot of security. You know, you don't see that. And people, oh, I want to be independent. and But knowing you can expect certain things to kind of happen and you drive that home in your book, I really like that. Yeah, we call them rhythms in our book. And um, the way that I think of rhythms is that um, rhythms are the things that help us make our values part of the fabric of our lives. So if something's really important to us, it needs to show up on our schedules. Um, so r- rhythms are regular and they're repeated pockets of time spent on specific activities. So it could be like family dinner or a bedtime routine or um a time of service in your neighborhood or a family game night or a night that we're going to invite other people over and show hospitality. Um, For us, those rhythms have, we have some that are very long-term consistent and we have some that were good for a certain season of life. Um, But it's really good to have times that people can count on. I think, you know, you were asking earlier about, people having resistance to certain activities. Mm-hmm. I think when people know what to expect and it's part of the rhythm, then um, the, it it lowers that resistance 
Um, I thought it was really cute too. You talk about when you were trying to, along with market and your kids to, to consider Jesus, you know, because kids will come to Jesus mm-hmm. at a pretty early age. And, and it was a, it was a little traumatic for one of them. They say, well, I don't want to leave mommy and daddy and go with this, uh, this uh, strange man with a beard. And, and you say, well, maybe now is not the time to, to kind of go any further. We're, we'll have to reframe this. Can you mention a little more about that? I thought that was cute. Yeah. We've been reading a children's Bible about Jesus making a place for you in heaven and taking you to be with him there someday. And our oldest was very terrified of that because she said, I don't want to go live with Jesus. I want to stay with you, mommy and daddy. And we realized that um, out of our best intentions, and and though it was the truth of that, she had a hard time understanding that that was not a right now, tomorrow kind of event. And so um, for a while, if we ever mentioned Jesus, she would just cry. We had to we had to use other language for a while. She did get over it, but it was she was also scared of Santa Claus. I was just going to ask you that. Well, we didn't talk about Santa in our family, but um, a, a well-meaning cashier at the grocery store did one day, and she was terrified about this man <laughs> coming into her house in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't Another want him nightmare. coming in either. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so I think, oh uh, you know, the point of this story is just be sensitive to the stages that our kids are at and, you know, where their development is. Some things, um, we expect different things of children at different ages based on mm-hmm. what they're capable of understanding. Yeah. One thing that could be difficult for a lot of parents, you know, they all want their kids to be believers in Jesus. I mean, they really do. And so, you know, they get disappointed when that doesn't happen. <laughs> and so uh, that could be kind of difficult. What, what would you say to, to parents as far as the best way to, to go about that? I'm sure, do you hear different stories, stories that, you know, I'm sorry that they didn't come to Christ and maybe I didn't do enough. And um, I know that... <laughs> Getting that right is real important for parents, but it doesn't always happen that way. Well, I would, I would, I do hear people being concerned about that. And I would say we can be um, honest about our journey with God and we can make that part of our family practice. Um, I know for me growing up, the most uh, poignant part of of seeing Jesus in the world was watching my parents um, live out their faith. And they, they weren't perfect parents by any means, but I did know that they lived what they believed. And when I was in my early twenties, that was one of the things that made me think this Jesus thing is real because, because I've seen it. So I think it's really powerful to walk together as a family and um, into the story of God and to the world around us and very Mm -hmm. powerful to be um, exploring that story together. Oh, I agree. Um, And in, in our family, we felt like it was really important that the kids could ask honest questions about those things and, and, that we could have open discussions about their questions and the things that challenge them about faith. Um, I think ultimately I would, I would encourage parents that ultimately this is, this is something that um, is also between their child and God and we can't control it, but we can, we can live it out 
as as best we can together as a family, and we can pray for our children. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been married to Mark for? It has been 25 years. Ooh, wow. When's the anniversary? The anniversary was last June, so it's almost oh 26. Goodness. Wow, wonderful. And never a single fight, would you say? Oh, we've had many a disagreement, many a fight. Because <laughs> uh, that's something that, you know, a lot of people – if you can't really learn how to have an honest disagreement, it could end of divorce. I mean, God forbid, but it can. And so I'm sure that's something that breaks your heart to see families break up because of, of fights. Yeah, it's been very painful. I um, I would say there's a chapter in the book about being connected as a family. And part of being connected is building those great memories and everything else. But The other part is learning how to make repairs when we hurt each other, how to navigate conflict and offer forgiveness and admit our failures to one another. Um, And I think that that's a super important skill to develop both between marriage partners and among um, siblings and between parent and child. Do you find that people come to you and Mark, I mean, before getting married and say, hey, you know, things worked out pretty well for you guys and you know a lot about uh, parenting and have you ever had to put your two cents in and say, look, you know, I'm I think I know what I'm doing. I have a gift in this area. I don't think you guys should get married. Um, Mark has done some premarital counseling and um, usually if he's going to officiate a wedding, he has people do prepare and rich and um, we'll counsel them through that. And there's. There's probably been a time or two where he recommended that people do further counseling or reconsider, but, um, yeah, but that's a difficult thing to say. It sure is. I mean, you had to get it right though, because I mean, who wants to get divorced? Oh, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. So belonging and becoming, creating a thriving family culture. Are there there certain things you'd like to cover that we missed? I would just say um, I'd really like to encourage any families listening that, um, again, having a thriving family isn't a, it's not an end product. It's a process. And so as both families and individuals, we start where we are and we take the next step towards um, where we want to be. And if we, if we do that, um, little by little, we we cover some ground, you know, we turn around and go, oh, look, I really have grown in this area. And we don't have to go it alone. We um, we can do it with each other. We can do it with our faith communities and we can rely on the the grace and strength of God to help us. Yes. Amen. I like how you put in your book here that, uh, you know, family meetings and tending the garden. <laughs> Of your family. I mean, it is like a garden that you have to tend to, and people don't want to deal with the weeds in the garden and all that, but you know, you certainly teach us how to do that. Now, if people go to your website, and I believe it's, uh, well, www.reimagine.org, uh, what kind of things will they find? Well, they'll find, um, they'll find some places where Mark or Mark and I will be speaking in the upcoming weeks and months, and find some other resources um, on our site about who we are and 
and what we do. So it's Mark and Lisa Scandrett, Belonging and Becoming, Creating a Thriving Family Culture. Go out and get the book and go on the website, learn a couple things. And it's one of the hardest things as far as uh, developing a thriving family, but they teach you how to do it. And thanks so much for being on the program. Thank you for having us.